Welcome back to the With Joe Weeby podcast. Luke, we're back again. I'm curious, what was the biggest takeaway you've taken from Tim Ferriss, maybe through our reflections on this podcast series or when you read the four-hour work week or anything else? Is there one key idea that jumps out to you? I really I really enjoyed the 80-20 principle just because it was at a time where I was experiencing a lot of overwhelm at work and you know, in that mode of checking checking email erratically, instant messaging, all that sort of stuff. And it really changed my perspective on things that are important at a work from a work perspective specifically. And then reflecting on reflecting on retirement as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. That that that's probably the the most game changing one is hang on a minute. Like, because I had to force myself to say, okay, what what is retirement? And then you think of hang on, I never want to, like, I've never, every time I've slowed down, I've been, like, if I say I'm watching TV or YouTube videos for a few days, um, I always just then look for something. So it's like, (laughs) if I do that when I'm retired, like if I'm doing nothing, I'm going to be so miserable. (laughs) Perfect. So that is what I took away from. When, when, when do we block out time in our calendars to watch TV and YouTube videos for a couple of days? At uni, I always (laughs) used to be like, Oh, I can't, I can't wait. Uni till I just, was the worst. Uni, I can't wait. Just watch YouTube. Uni play was video an games. absolute waste of God-given life. And then you spend three me. days. Oh. Yeah. And then you spend three days watch playing video games, and you're in a worse spot than when you. Yeah, it, anyway. it's sad that the the percentage of time I actually really lived during the first three years after school was entirely small. It's scary. It's so small. That's why I do. I call it the three dead years, right? In the mm. book and everything. And what what about you? What yeah, about Tim you? Tim Ferriss is very big for me. There were two. There are two main big things I would point to. The first is in, in the practical side of things. I start, I think I started listening to him and read the Four Hour Work Week twenty eighteen. I was I was doing real estate, but it really opened my eyes to automation. A lot of insights about business and achievement, and like I guess high performance in a very but very grounded sense. It's always very genuine stuff, and I, like you should be more than you are now. Or anything like that so i always thought it was a great it's always a great he always has a great tone even with his guests and everything it's always very genuine very down to earth so i really got a lot out of that automation i think has been very useful in so many parts of what i do and it's a big part of the future but then on a, on a deeper level it's very interesting when we so it is story time so just be a bit patient with me but when, when we wound down what we were doing in Nepal with the From the Ground Up and all the nonprofit work, and I started writing a book about our experiences in Nepal, which I've actually yet to release, but do plan to release in future. And I came to the point where I was kind of finished and I was curious about how do I actually get this out in the world? And so I was like, oh, well, Tim Ferriss is an author and he has blog posts on this stuff. So I thought I'll go find something around how do I, how do I get this out there? And I remember I went to this blog post on like one of his books, I think it was The 4-Hour Body, and they were talking about the whole marketing campaign he did and how they got all these people to help him and write reviews and do blogs on the book when he released it and stuff. And then it goes, the blog post basically goes, but how did Tim Ferriss get so many people to review his book and do all this stuff to help him launch? And it goes, well... He actually created value for them first. 
He actually went out of his way all the time to be doing things on the front foot for people, giving without an expectation of getting anything back. And that's how he's built out such a tribe of people who were so willing to help him. And when I read that, because whenever you're trying to launch something, you get in a very rush mindset, I think. Personally, I don't want to speak for anyone else, but you, the blinkers go on, you're thinking about you. You get it, you feel a bit guilty when you read something like that, but it's very natural. And when I read that, it just woke me up. And I had spent most of my, you know, the, the years up there focused on real estate, which again was kind of like an okay experience. But it felt like I wasn't really tapping into the real substance of life, put it that way. And I remembered back at school and our time at school, I really loved, right? We went to school together and our school had a big value on service and always found the opportunities to serve others very meaningful. And it just felt like always this was the exactly the right thing people should be doing. But I think because I wasn't in the environment that cultivated it after school, it, it sank, it kind of left my priority list. And I remember reading that and I just woke up. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I needed to hear. And I really need to give to others first before I get anything back, but don't expect anything back. Just do it for them. And so it was around that time that I was, you know, writing a lot and I'd come up with this idea of doors and everything. And so it came at the same time I was using that metaphor for like uncertainty and everything like that. All right. So the thousand doors is one of our favorite ideas on this podcast, right? It goes back to episodes four and five. And that was actually catalyzed that whole transformation for me where I thought I'm going to give to others. And so it's actually where soon around that time, Andrew Reese, you know, who I found on Facebook, I've told this story a couple of times in parts, but um, was having a podcast launch and normally I wouldn't have gone to this podcast launch. It seemed like a random kind of event, but I decided to go. That's where I met half the authors of 18 and lost was at that podcast launch. So half of the authors of the book. And then eventually he recommended I do a course and that's where I met so many members of Constance student and Liam. So I look back now and it's like, it was a very specific message given to me at a very particular time. And I can't say I've been that consistent with that. Give first, give first. Sometimes a hard mentality to keep, but I obviously I keep coming back to it. And it honestly has had a really big impact. That, that was just, I think it wasn't like that was a huge message. It was a very simple message, but it was just, it was the right time. And so that's one thing I've always really taken taken from him and I, why I wanted to do a podcast series on him he had a big impact on me but I just think that he is different he is different mm. I'm very selective about the people we cover here there's a lot of people with a lot of good wisdom a lot of good thoughts but I think he's a very unique figure he doesn't I don't think he feels like he needs to fit the script of what everyone does Tim Ferriss has never gone made some big company Right? Like, like one that we all know and like a Twitter or something like that. Because he's always said, why would I want to do that? Like it seems to, like he seems like someone who doesn't do things just for the sake of it. Mm. 
I think there's a lot of people who do things that everyone will applaud them for, but they're still just doing it for the sake of it. I actually respect someone like him way more than someone who does, does something big for the sake of it. I'm very careful about judging people on inputs rather than the outcomes of what they do because you don't get to control the outcomes really. You get to influence the outcomes. What about the reasons? Oh, the reasons are big. Well, the reasons shape the inputs. Because mm. the reasons like, so to take that into like tangible language, it's like, I want to do this so that I'm a big shot. So people think I'm a big shot. will probably compromise the work. Whereas if you go, if you try to start something and create in the world, so it will add, genuinely add, but like really improve someone's kind of life situation or something that's really annoying in their life or an amazing experience and memory for them. You know, you come at that with a very different motivation if you're actually able to create that. So reasons and inputs are very, very big. It's kind of like an investment. You have a, a risk you're going to take or something. You do your best with the information you have. If you lose money, it's not necessarily bad. Like it's not necessarily I'm a bad investor or, or that was a bad decision it was a good decision with a bad outcome. Just the same way you can make a stupid bet and it can come off. And that's dangerous because you think, oh, I'm good at this, but you're not. <laughs> so I, I, I just think he's very, I think he's someone people should pay attention to on that level. Because yeah, it's not enough. I'm not impressed by people who create something big. So I, I just don't think a lot of people, especially the kind of, I'm very conscious of this in startup worlds, corporate worlds and stuff like that. Someone's got a big company or they have a high position or they automatically get respect points. For me, I, that's just not enough. I'm very conscious about who gets my, and I, I just think he, I think he's incredibly genuine. And, and for that reason, yeah, I just think he's, he's a very good kind of role model for people especially how he's evolved, overcome challenges, being very brave about sharing his sexual abuse experiences and, you know, the integrity to do stuff like that. I think it's, it's pretty good. Like it's, it's very impressive. Hmm. If you look at it from a, the self development side of thing or the self help side of things, he was one of the first that I listened to that focused on not just maximizing effort. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, hang on. If we, if we tweak, like, it's not, it's not all about what well, obviously comes down to 80, 20, but the way he, the way he goes through that specifically makes you think so different. Like, cause you just hear so many people speaking, like you've just got to work, work without, yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Or yeah, it's yeah. focused yeah, yeah. on, particular tactics but yeah he just provided such right. a unique and he's very precise very precise he's very precise mm. yep well like that was a, a very fun series on tim ferris with a lot of just our own realizations obviously weaved in so for anyone who wants to go through it i think it starts at episode 228 of the with joe Weavey podcast you can check it out spotify apple or youtube are the best places can subscribe or follow along but i do highly recommend the newsletter the doorman so just go down to the link in description everything joe 
you'll sign up there, get the top highlights for the big, just the top five insights for the week's worth of podcast episodes, dumbs it down a bit. And, uh, but yeah, our next thought leader is Ken Robinson, which I'm very excited to share. So Luke will be back again with me and that will be next, I guess, starting tomorrow. Thanks again, Luke.